This afternoon, I'd like to proclaim God's word to you as the church confesses it in Lord's Day 45 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 45, on page 554 of the Book of Praise. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give his grace in the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? First, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only, who has revealed himself in his word for all that he has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, we must rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord as he has promised us in his word. What has God commanded us to ask of him? All the things we need for body and soul as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. What is the Lord's Prayer? And then follows the Lord's Prayer as we know it. After the sermon, we'll sing Psalm 143, 5 through 7. The remaining stanzas of Psalm 143. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord's Day 45, with its discussion of prayer, begins a new subsection in the third main part of the Heidelberg Catechism. As you know, the third main part of the Catechism is about our thankfulness before God. And in that first subsection of that main part, the Catechism deals with the law of God. And then in the second subsection, the Catechism deals with prayer. And the Catechism goes through each aspect of the Lord's Prayer in great detail. But Lord's Day 45 is introductory, and Lord's Day 45 sets the stage. And it just so happens that I preached on this Lord's Day last week in Laura, and uh, when I asked if I could bring this sermon this afternoon, I was told that prayer is also the theme for your home visit season, so that all works out nicely. Well, let's listen now what the Bible teaches us about prayer. And I want to summarize it like this. Prayer is our response to the God who has revealed himself in his word. Prayer is our response to the God who has revealed himself in his word. 
or if you want it in an abbreviated version, it would be prayer as response to God. That's our theme. And we'll note three things. As such, prayer is a required response. Secondly, a love response. And thirdly, an essential response. Prayer as response to God. We note, first of all, that it is a required response, secondly, a love response, and thirdly, an essential response. First of all, we note that prayer is a required response, and the Catechism makes that very clear in Lord's Day 45. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? That word necessary indicates that it is required. And then the Catechism responds by saying that prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. It's required. And a little later in Lord's Day 45, the Catechism will say that we are to pray for all that God has commanded us to ask of Him. God commands us to pray to Him. And what our confession says about prayer is fully scriptural. In Psalm 50, verse 15, the Lord says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. And that's a command. Call upon me. And when the Lord Jesus taught his disciples how to pray in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, he said, Pray then like this. That's a command. Pray, then, like this. And a little later in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, verse 7, we hear the Lord Jesus saying, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Ask, seek, and knock. Those are commands. So it's obviously a requirement. And we ask ourselves this afternoon, why is prayer required? And the first thing we can say in answer to that is, it's because God has revealed himself to us. Precisely because we have the self-revelation of God, precisely because God has made himself known to us, God wants us to respond to him. God wants us to respond to his word. God wants us to respond to him. In Lord's Day 45, the Catechism says that we are to pray to the one only true God who has revealed himself to us in his word. He has revealed himself to us. We have his self-revelation, and God wants us to respond to him. Not only that, but God created us, and God redeemed us for fellowship. In the beginning, God created man and put man in the garden. And we read in the book of Genesis that God came down to the garden 
to walk with Adam in the cool of the day. There was fellowship, there was communion, there was contact. It was a beautiful relationship. It was a covenant relationship. And God had established that relationship with man. But when we fell into sin, then God came with the gospel. And God promised a savior. The seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. God held out the promise of salvation through someone whom he would send. And God sent his son at the fullness of time, born of woman. God sent his son to make fellowship with fallen man possible again. So you ask why prayer is necessary? God created us for fellowship and God redeemed us for fellowship. And the fact that God redeemed us for fellowship was only possible because God sent his only begotten son. God sent his son to make it possible for you to have fellowship with God. God had said after the fall into sin, or just before the fall into sin, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. But when it happened, God came with the gospel. And God sent his son so that man could have fellowship with God. That's why prayer is required. It costs God his only son. And now God wants us to exercise that fellowship with him. And we do that by prayer. We respond to God. We respond to the God who sent his son. And we receive a beautiful example of response to God in the book of Samuel. In 1 Samuel 3, verse 10, we hear that the Lord called out, Samuel, Samuel, in the dead of night. And Samuel responded, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. God spoke, Samuel responded. And that's how it also is with prayer. God has revealed himself to us in his word. We respond to God's revelation. And isn't that exactly what typifies the covenant relationship? God establishes a covenant with his people. God comes to his people, and his people respond to God in faith. That's the covenant relationship. And, and prayer is the way by which we exercise that covenant relationship. I can put it to you like this this afternoon. Anybody who neglects prayer does not understand the riches in having a relationship with God. If you neglect prayer, if you consider prayer unimportant, 
You don't appreciate the fact that you may have a relationship with God. If you neglect prayer, you don't understand that it costs God His only Son so that you can approach the throne of grace and talk to God. And then we recognize the significance of the order in the practice that we generally have. We're at home, and the order is usually like this. We pray after we read. We read the Bible, then we pray. We listen to what God says to us, and we respond to what God has said to us in His Word, by prayer. That's a good practice that we have. It's a practice which has been shaped by an awareness of the covenant relationship with God. God establishes a covenant with us. God speaks to us. We respond to God. We listen to God's Word. We respond to God in prayer. Now, sometimes we don't know what to pray. People might ask, what are we going to pray about now? But if you have that good practice, first you listen to God, then you pray. You don't always have to pray in the same way. Because when you listen to God's Word and respond to what God has told you in that particular passage that you just read, you can incorporate in your prayer to God what you've just heard God say to you in His Word. And that has many benefits. Your prayers won't all be the same, and your prayers also will have less likelihood of being a mere wish list of things you desire from God. And isn't this also the order of the Catechism? First God speaks, then we respond. We're in the third main part of the Heidelberg Catechism. It's the part about our thankfulness. And the discussion of prayer comes after the discussion of the law. First, the Catechism deals with those Ten Commandments, Lord's Days 34 to 44. Then the Catechism deals with the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, right to the end, Lord's Day 52. And that makes sense, brothers and sisters, because the authors of the Catechism understood that prayer is a response to God. First you listen to what God reveals to you in the law, then you know what to pray about. You know what you need. You pray to God, Lord, help me to live according to those commandments. And when the Lord Jesus was on this earth, he gave us a model prayer, the so-called Lord's Prayer. And he said, pray then like this. Don't understand that to mean that the Lord Jesus said, pray this. No, he said, pray like this. 
That means he gave us a model prayer. He gave us the topics about which we should pray. The Lord Jesus did not give us the Lord's Prayer, brothers and sisters, so that time after time we pray the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again. If that's what you do, always the Lord's Prayer at supper time. That's not what the Lord Jesus intended. And if you use the Lord's Prayer in that way as some kind of rote prayer that you drone over and over again, you actually stifle that covenant fellowship which God wants you to exercise. God doesn't want to hear you saying the same thing over and over again as if that was the intention of the Lord Jesus when he gave the so-called Lord's Prayer. God wants to hear you speaking from the heart. Say what comes from within your own heart. God does not care how broken your language is. God doesn't care how garbled it comes out. The Bible even tells us when we no longer know the words, the Spirit will pick up the thread. The Spirit intercedes for us. The Lord's Prayer is a model prayer. And the Lord Jesus gave us those petitions as the topics that we should pray for, just like the Ten Commandments. God gave us the Ten Commandments. And those Ten Commandments are ten topics. And the Catechism explains them in great detail and says, look, the commandment might speak about killing or committing adultery, those examples I mentioned this morning. But there's much more involved than just those things. And so you expand on it. And so in the Bible, we hear the Christian church praying all kinds of different prayers. You hear the saints praying all kinds of different prayers, but they focused on one or more of these topics that the Lord Jesus taught. Pray then like this. And you understand, brothers and sisters, that if prayer is a required response to God, which is something that God wants to hear from us, we need to have a good routine. Sometimes you hear people say, well, I pray when I feel the need, when I'm in a crisis. Well, if that's your attitude, brothers and sisters, I can tell you something right now. If you only pray when you feel the need, the day will come when you won't even feel the need. If you don't have the habit of prayer, but you only turn to God when you're in a crisis, then that means that all the other times when you don't have a crisis, you're not really walking in covenant fellowship with God. You're not walking with him day after day. You just call upon him 
when you need him. And if that's your approach, and because you don't have that living covenant fellowship with God, one day, when you have a great need, you won't even turn to him. God wants us to call upon him regularly. He wants to walk with us, just like he walked with Adam before the fall. The Bible doesn't prescribe exactly how often we should pray. We read of three times per day, Psalm 55. We read about seven times per day, Psalm 119. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. And he means by that, pray regularly. Pray regularly. And I ask you, brothers and sisters, if you know that you live by grace alone because God sent his Son into the world to die for your sins, how can you let one day go by without addressing the God of your salvation. If you know that God has saved you, if you know that God has sent His Son for you, if you know that you live by grace alone, how can you not call upon that God? How can you let one day go by without speaking to Him? We do treasure covenant fellowship with God don't we? So it's a required response. It's also a love response. It's a love response. The Catechism says, prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness that God requires of us, the thankfulness. And that points us in the direction of love. Now, you might ask this afternoon, how can prayer be the most important part of our thankfulness? Wouldn't you say that living according to God's law is the most important part of our thankfulness? Yet that's not what the Catechism says. And why is that? Why is prayer the most important part of our thankfulness? Why isn't keeping the commandments the most important thing? Because, brothers and sisters, when you pray, you come to God as a child. You come to God in self-surrender. You come to God with your heart. You come to God acknowledging that He is greater than you and that you cannot live without, without Him. Prayer is an expression of our love for God who sent His Son into the world. It's a love response. It's an exercise of that covenant fellowship which cost God His only Son. And isn't that how David called out to God in Psalm 143? 
We don't know the exact circumstances, but David was pursued by enemies, and he called out to God. We read in verse 1, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me, and in your righteousness. And then we hear of David's strong desire for fellowship with God. We hear of David's love for God because he calls out to God and says, I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. That's the language of love. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. And then we hear David saying in verse 8, Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. You hear David reaching out to God in high heaven. In love. And we hear David saying in verse 9, Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies, and you I take shelter. David speaks from the context of covenant fellowship, and you hear him speaking to God in love. And you recognize that David's prayer to God is a response to God. Because in verse 5 he says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. Some of these things David may have experienced himself, these works of God. But other of these things David would have heard about from God's revelation. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I think about all those things that you have revealed to us and our fathers. And David responds to that by calling out to the Lord in prayer. And you ask yourself, brothers and sisters, what is the deepest aspect of this love response? And it is this, that we are saved sinners. We are saved sinners. And the Catechism points us in that direction when it speaks about the things that we need to know in order to approach God properly in prayer. The Catechism says that first, we must know thoroughly our sin and misery. And secondly, the Catechism says, we must know that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer only for the sake of Jesus Christ. That's about salvation. We're saved sinners. And we approach God in love. And don't we hear it in the form for the celebration of the Lord's Supper? The Lord Jesus came into this world to take away the cause of our hunger and misery, which is sin. And David realized that. He still lived in the time of the shadows, all those things that pointed ahead to the coming Savior. But he knew about the promise of forgiveness. 
For he says in verse 2, Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. David recognized that he could only approach God by grace. He recognized that he could only approach God as a forgiven sinner. And when we come to God like that, as people who recognize that we are saved sinners, people who live by grace through faith alone, when we come to God in prayer as a love response for all that God has done for us and for all that God has revealed to us in His Word, then our prayers rise up to God like incense like a sweet-smelling aroma. Read that, too, in Psalm 141, another one of David's psalms. In verse 2, we read, Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Just like God loved those Old Testament sacrifices, so God loves the prayers of the saints. They are like incense to him. That love response of his people, responding to him in thankfulness and love for sending his son into the world. That's prayer as a response to God. It's a required response, it's a love response, but it's also an essential response. And we note that too. Because we confess in Lord's Day 45 that God will give His grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask Him for these gifts and thank Him for them. You have to ask God and you have to thank God, otherwise he won't give. And that's pretty straightforward. James says in James 4, verse 2, you don't receive because you don't ask. It's essential. Why is it so essential? Because when you pray, your prayer is an expression of your faith. God has said in his word, pray to me. God has promised us in his word that he will give us all things necessary for body and soul. God has promised us in his word that he will be a father to us in the covenant of grace. And he will provide us with all things necessary for body and soul. And our prayer is a response to that. When we believe that promise of God, that he will be as a father to us, and he will provide us with all things necessary, then we will pray. And our prayers will be an expression of our faith. If you don't believe those promises of God, if those promises of God don't mean much to you, 
if those promises of God don't resonate in your life, you won't pray. And faith is essential. That's why prayer is essential. God will only give His grace and the Holy Spirit to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask Him for these gifts and thank Him for them. Important things are at stake. Catechism speaks about God's grace and the Holy Spirit. That means forgiveness by the blood of Christ. That's God's grace. That means renewal by the Spirit of Christ. That's the Holy Spirit. Important things are at stake. God will forgive us our sins against His law by His grace if we ask Him. And God will renew us by the Spirit of Christ according to His law, if we ask. And not only that, not only God's grace and God's Holy Spirit, but the Catechism speaks about all things necessary for body and soul. They are at stake. Well, brothers and sisters, and what then? What about the answer? You've prayed to God because you recognize it's a required response to God. You've prayed to God because you realize that it's a love response to God. You've prayed to God because you recognize that it's an essential response to God. And what then? What about the answer? We don't always receive what we ask. We know that all too well. Many of God's children have called out to God from the heart with heartfelt longing, as the Catechism says. Many of God's children have called out to God in love, in deep appreciation of the covenant fellowship with God. But they have not received what they asked for. And what then? Well, we always need to remember that God has our best interests at heart. God knows our needs even better than we do. God has His eternal purposes always in mind. God makes all things work together for the good of those who love Him. That might sometimes be hard to take. And you might even be sitting here this afternoon thinking, depending on what is in your life, oh yeah, there he goes with that. 
God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him. Isn't that easy? That's the easy answer, huh? But no, that's what the Bible says. Romans 8. That's what God tells us in his revelation. God knows best. He has his eternal purposes in mind, and he has our best interests at heart. And then we pray. And then with respect to the answer, keeping in mind with what God tells us about how he responds, keeping in mind what the Bible tells us about the answer, we pray. And we pray in response to those words of Scripture which tell us that God knows best. And God has our best interests at heart. And we pray, and we pray, Lord, if it is your will. Amen.